Welcome to the Momentum Podcast. Our hope is to fill you with the light and life that are found in Jesus so you can shine in the world around you. A great next step if you'd like to grow in your faith is connecting to a community. We would love to help you connect at Momentum. For more information, visit MomentumSanDiego.com. Again, that's MomentumSanDiego.com. We hope you enjoy the message. All right. Y'all, y'all doing okay? Everyone on Sunday? Don't you worry. This message will only be about an hour or two long. We'll get you home in time for the game. It's going to be good. Hey, this is cool. We are doing a Business Square Serve Day, February 22nd. We together are going to clean up and all this stuff. Sign up on your app and everything. But before we even do that, we got Vista Square in the house this morning. So thank you. A lot to go through in God's Word. Week two, God's movement, our life, Super Bowl Sunday. Anybody else not really care about these teams, so you're just excited to go eat? Yeah. You there? I'm headed for Team Chicken Wings this year, and you always bet on a winner when we bet on some wings. Now, uh, I'm going to ask the Lord. Let's pray. I'm going to ask him to redeem that. Uh, and we'll go. God, Father, there's no one like you. We're, we, we need to be filled by you. We will make your word filling our souls. And so when we go back to Vista Square, back to work, back to family, back to life, back to calling, God, we want to go back overflowing because of our time with you. So would you fill us up? Fill us with light and life so we can step into calling, so we can step into hurts, so we can step into lives and shine. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is week two out of five in this journey that we're going on together called God's Movement, My Life. And I would just encourage you to go back and check out last week online if you missed last week because it's a loaded concept, but I'll give you some of what we're doing. There's this phrase from last week and it simply says this, when I understand how God works, I can begin to see how God is working. And we just looked at God's movement in the life of a guy named David. He's an Old Testament hero. We're actually going to be journeying with David for the next few weeks as we unpack this series and everything. But but what I want you to see first is God is an unchanging God. And so when we begin to look at the way he moved in the lives of those who came before us in the faith in scripture, we can observe those things and then look back at our lives and begin to discern the movement of God in us. And now, remind you, we talked about this framework we see, and this appears to be the way God moves. You see it in Old Testament, New Testament, and in our lives today, but there's just these stages of calling that begin to unfold. The first one is the awareness of God. It is when God wakes you up to something new, usually shortly thereafter that. There's a refining that happens, and God often works through pain and problems to shape us and make us the people that he is calling us to be and preparing us for the work that he's called us to do. Then you get to the real work stage, and, and that's just when all of the expectations and all of the idealized versions of what was going to be are stripped away, and you see what he's calling you to do, and you do it, and the result is always flourishing. Maybe not for you, but for people around you. And then we said this cycle is important because it doesn't just happen one time in our lives. It happens over and over and over again. And as you begin to notice these seasons of awakening and awareness and God's refining in your soul and, and the work he's calling you to, they stack on top of one another. And the craziest thing happens, you grow and you transform. 
And we said it's really good that you grow and transform because your life is connected to the lives of some other people and they are counting on you to be everything that God has made you to be. And as you grow and transform, your influence expands and expands and your ability to contribute to the lives of those around you expands and that is the journey that we find ourselves on today. We're talking this week about the awareness and the awakening stage, that how do I know what's going on? Matter of fact, the big question that we're addressing, that's underneath all the questions, is this question, and it just says, what is God's will for my life? You ever wonder that? You ever have that one before? You ever have the moment with you and God, you're like, buddy, if you could just say what it is, I'd be glad to do it. If you just show up, you just do a little shine a light down here, just pull back, comes packaged as a lot of other questions. Comes packaged at what should I do when I'm done with high school? What career should I focus on? Who should I marry? Should I marry? Should I remarry? What job should I take? Should I go back to work? Should I start a new career? Which city, city should I move to? Which assignment should I take? Where's my next stop in the military? Should I put my kids in private school and public school? Or should we homeschool? Should we buy a house or rent? Should we be investing? Should we be saving for college? Should we just put Junior in some private lessons and hope that he gets good enough over time to write his ticket to one of those schools that are way overpriced now? Should I start a business? Should I take a risk? Am I doing enough? Is this you, God? Are you in this or is this just me? What's the next step? I didn't plan on being here. Am I supposed to stay here or are you calling me there? Are you in this now? Can you hear me now? Can you help me with this? I believe you can. As a matter of fact, I think we're going to uncover in Scripture some very solid ways that he does. I think we're going to uncover in Scripture some very concrete ways that we can look at our life and look at God and see where, in fact, God is leading us. And we're going to do that in just a minute. But can I just say something to you really quick? As your pastor, can I just encourage you? Can I tell you something? If you're asking these questions at all, heaven is smiling down on you as we speak. See, when I think about most of my life, and God and figuring it out, if I could sum it up in one word, it's confusion. But can I just tell you something? God is God enough to work with your confusion and mine. Can I just tell you, if you are seeking, heaven has rewards in store for you. There's this verse that pastors like me read all the time in Hebrews 11, 6. And it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists. And everybody kind of stops right there, but did you miss the part in the yellow? And he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Can I just be the one to remind you, it is better to be searching for God and confused than be oblivious to the way and will of God in your life. Can I be the one to say that I don't like this new baseball team where every kid gets a trophy at the end of the season? Can I be the one to say I'm not into that? Can I be the one to say that, that, that the team just sucks and they were sorry, students, uh, edit that later in the video. And uh, my mom will email, like she sends more complaining emails than anybody. And then, and now Matthew, and uh, I can just hear it. <laughs> What's I talking about? Baseball? God or something like that? Okay. They went 11, or I'm sorry, they went 0 and 11. Matter of fact, the coach wrote it down as 1 and 10. 
Because there was that one day where they went to the field and they showed up at the wrong field. And before anybody realized they're at the wrong field, the coach just nobody doesn't win. They're like, I guess the team was too scared to show up today. And they done won no games all season. But then one mom throws the pizza party at John's Incredible Pizza and then wah, 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 All the helicopter parents land the helicopters and let the kid out and bubble wrap them and send them out there for 15 minutes where you can have John's Incredible Pizza as long as there's no food allergies at home, no offense. <laughs> I got them too, okay? And so, see, I can say it. And then, and then some mom gets out of the helicopter and starts giving every kid a trophy for participation. I don't like Little Levi like that. Let's pray. Every day we get ready. <laughs> I like Little Levi like that, but I'm glad our God looks like that. And when your eyes look towards him, it said you seek him. It didn't say you have to be good at seeking him. It didn't say you have to find him. It didn't say you have to have four passage memorized in your Bible and I can flip to 1 Corinthians on the first try. You don't even have to know what a 1 Corinthian is when your heart is aimed at God. His heart is aimed back at you. He has rewards for you. Like peace, like meaning, like adventure, impact, health, wellness, flourishing, a home life that is stable and not stress, a future in store for you with rewards in it. God rewards you just for seeking, and I like that about our God. Can I just bless you if you feel confused? Tell you God is not, and He sees you, and He can work with that confusion. So we're looking at God's movement in our lives, and we've been tracking the life of this Old Testament hero named David. Last week, when we left our hero, he was in a field with some sheep, minding his business, playing his heart. And then the prophet Samuel, which we talked about, is a very rare occurrence. The prophet Samuel shows up, and look at all of David's other brothers first, and they say, now we're looking for someone tall, we're looking for someone old, mighty, strong, and capable. But Samuel looks the direction of all these brothers and says, these are not the ones the Lord has chosen. The Lord's looking for the right kind of heart, which leads leads him to David. David is anointed king over Israel. What does that mean? Anointed means God has planned that he will be king, although the former king, King Saul, still sits on the throne. So this happens, and then as we read first and second Samuel, we're in first Samuel, we're going to be between 15 and 17. I'm going to summarize, but then we'll pick it apart and get in there. But, but the narrator of this story explains what happens spiritually, and it says in this moment, the Spirit of God, same Holy Spirit that empowers us, lives from the life of Saul, and then falls on David. And so there are implications for that, and David grows stronger, more confident, the Lord is with him in his endeavor. And then over here you see Saul deteriorating, and he's growing more anxious and unstable. It says that a spirit falls on him, and an evil spirit begins to torment him. He's in a state of torment, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually. And he's over here, and some of his counsel, some of the people around the king go, now, you know, King heard or seen or in times past, legend has it that if somebody filled up with God were to play the harp around you, if we could find somebody to play a harp and you feel afflicted, then maybe, just maybe, it will lift that affliction up. And so they go searching. Mind you, they don't know David. They don't know Goliath. They just go searching through all of Israel. Hey, do you know anyone? Hey, do you know anyone? Yeah, this guy, he's the son of Jesse. I think he just watches the sheep, but we've heard he can play the harp. Their search leads them to David, and they say, David, um, 
And David's still processing Saul, Samuel, and the anointing and everything that happens. He has no clue where his life is going at this point. And then right after this, prophet comes and goes, new people show up at the door and say, hey, we heard you play the harp. Yes, I play the harp. You need to go play for the king. Now, if we were watching a movie, I got my popcorn right now, and I'm like, it's about to go down. Because the one who has been anointed now comes into the court of the one who has been appointed. And God's divine direction is all over it. Meanwhile, the nation of Israel is growing and inhabiting its promised land. And they keep bumping into another group called the Philistines. And a war has broken out against the Philistines in the Valley of Elah. Now, the Valley of Elah is a real place. It actually exists. You can go there to this day. And as you read the scriptures, you see that there's been this stalemate in this one position at the Valley of Elah. And on one hill is Israel, the people of God, ten soldiers, camps, the whole thing. And down the valley, up on the other hill, is the Philistine army's tents, camp soldiers, the whole thing. And they're in this stalemate. And what has happened is both camps are here. Both people are getting ready for the actions or reactions of the other one. Everything's real tense. But there's this seven-foot problem named Goliath. And this giant emerges every day around noon from the Philistine camp, walks into the valley, says, hey, He's been doing this for 40 days? Yeah. Why would you guys let him do this for 40 days? 
who looked at him, you don't see him. Do you see what we see when he comes out and does what he does? Are you going to do something about it? And then David stops for just a moment and don't underestimate in God's movement, your life, your responsibility to be smart, sharp, and on it. Because watch David. It goes, is it a promise to the guy who's going? They said, well, yeah, actually, yeah. What, what do you get? You, you take him out? You get something out? Yeah, 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 you get a fortune. That's for you and family for the rest of your life. And you get to marry the king's daughter. David said, hold my coat. He <laughs> goes into Saul's tent, he can get into Saul's tent because he's been in Saul's court and counsel. Normally that would not happen. He goes to Saul and he goes, hey Saul, I heard you had a giant problem. He goes, yeah. He goes, yeah, I'm here to defend our nation and our God against that giant. And Saul looks at him like any of us would and goes, no, you can't do that because you're too small, you're too young. He is decorated in battle. There's a head count. I'm not sending you out. And David says to Saul, no, you don't understand. Hang on, by the way, did you say something promise to the guy who gets it? He goes, can you just run that bad man really quick one more time? He goes, yeah, it's so fortunate. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I'm taking care of the giant today because you can't take care of the giant today. And then David goes, no, you don't understand. I've been a shepherd. He's like, a shepherd? He goes, yes. As a matter of fact, there was this time when a lion came. It took one of my sheep. I grabbed the lion by the knee, beat the lion. I took the sheep back. The sheep went home. We were good for the day. And then on top of that, and there's an eye roll for himself. There was this bear. And I took out the bear. I had my sling. The bear came trying to eat my sheep. And I told him, I told him to talk to the lions because the lions would tell you not to come because I could take out a bear. And I took out the bear. No, you, no, you, you not happening. And, and, and then David's like, hey, I'm on air. This is brother. He goes, hey, come here, come here. Hey, stop talking to Eliab. Go away. And so in comes Eliab. He goes, Eliab, hey, tell him about the lion and the bear. Remember the lion and the bear? Yes. For this a thousand times. I saw him. He killed the lion and the bear. I told you I killed the lion and the bear. You killed the lion and the bear. Yes, what I got to say about the lion and the bear? And a bear, this be no different. Hold my coat. David walks out and the giant walks out. The Bible says filled with the Holy Spirit. He probably felt the same tingle that ran up his arms and down his back when he saw the lion and the bear. That same familiar feeling of the Lord's power rests on him. It says he goes running at the giant, one stone from the sleep. It strikes the giant. The stone didn't kill the giant, by the way. Can we just correct Sunday school? Did y'all do it? Did anybody? Come on, don't be sure. Any church people, and you have a flannel graph? Do you know what I mean? With the wrinkled little guy rolling down over the front. They give you David, they give you Goliath, but they skip over the part where it says the rock hit Goliath. Goliath fell. David pulls the sword out from his own Goliath's own back, swings that thing over, cuts off the head of the giant. What would you say? All the Philistines run, all of Israel is emboldened, and in a moment, David is awakened and aware of who God has made him to be, and where it is that God is calling him to go, and what it is that God is calling him to do. You guys are going to be shocked when you see how much this story has to say to us in 2020 with our questions about what do you want God, where do I go God, how does it work God, and it's loaded, and we're just going to start unpacking. You got notes that you can read and follow along with. 
You can fill in the blanks and draw a picture of your life if you want. Number one is simply this. Watch for what God has given you to show you where God is guiding you. Watch for what God has given you to show you where God is guiding you. Can we go to that next one really quick? It says in 1 Samuel 7, 30, 17, 33 through 16. 30, it's in there. So I replied, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man and he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion and a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. But it turned on me. I got I seized it by its head, I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Tom. What God has done in my life has prepared me for what he's calling me to do now. It will be like the time when. Which means you can look at the time when the things God has said to you, the things God has used you to do, the gift and the grace that he's put on your life and look into the future and what he's calling you to do. And if they are cohesive, there's a good chance that God's in it. I was hanging with my neighbors the other night and he works in a hospital now and he used to be a Marine. And then I was saying, how did you get from Marine to the hospital? And tell me the story. And I didn't know how that would work. And what was the jump? And what was the connection? And, and, and he told me a story. And he was on the aircraft carrier and there was an accident. And one of the aircraft had run into some of the personnel on top of the ship. And it just slashed him right over. Because I watched the whole thing. And then I watched the corpsman come running from every direction and dive on this guy. And they saved his life. And that marked me. And I wanted to be doing something like that with my life. It was in a moment and an experience from his past that was shaping his future. It's not always an experience, and sometimes it's just in the gifts and the wiring and the things that God has put in you. My whole life, before I even knew Jesus or wanted to preach or knew preaching and teaching was a thing. I just came out of the womb loud and argumentative. That was me. I've been shushed my whole life. I've been shushed in libraries. I've been shushed in restaurants. I got shushed this week at the gym. I was talking to my buddy who's planted the church. It's going really good. I'm like, no, I'm not going to tweet about that. I got the, um, sir. I knew exactly what to do. I didn't even argue. I've been out my whole life. And I argued. My mom, she called the school one time to see a debate club. So it could just be vented or aimed in some other direction. I tell stories. I, my thing when I'm with the friends in the barbecue and we're hanging in a campfire is like they bring up the stories and I tell them. And that's just been me my whole entire life. And then lo and behold, I didn't know that I could make a living being noisy, argumentative, and telling stories. The louder I get to hear, the more you guys, you know, you're in. I mean, we're on the golf clap still, but like we're getting there. One day we'll be an amen church. Feel free to get us there. I'm just waiting on you guys. I'm there already. Love you all. Thank you. Come on, Pastor. Thank you. Shout out to Mr. Square. Love you guys. You're welcome back anytime. I'll save these seats for you, okay? 
done to me and given me and showed me where I'm going? There's these questions. Hey, these aren't your outline. These questions that you can be asking. What's my past? I can say about the future. What are things that come easy to me that others struggle with? My friend, mentor, and spiritual hero put this list of questions together. They're on the back of your outline. That piece of paper in your hands is worth its weight in gold. Because uh, from J.K. Jones or some of you know, there's all these questions about discerning where God is taking you and what is next. But you can look at what God's giving you to see who shows you where God's guiding you. Now, all these watches come with a watch out, okay? Watch out for a desire that's not coupled with ability. If you have desire but no ability, you've got a, ha a hobby, not a car. This is American Idol syndrome. Y'all remember Mary, the good American Idol from back in the day with Randy and Paula and Simon? And then they, then Seacrest is up there and he's like, we're in Pennsylvania and Dan is going to be the next American Idol. And it shows Dan and he tells you, this has been my dream and all this stuff. And then the door is open and Dan, he's, it lies in always the bad ones who wrote their own song to perform. And, and Dan's like, I wrote this myself. And Dan starts singing and it shows Paula and she's just covering her face. And then it shows Randy and he's like, mm -mm. And then it finally you're just waiting, you're like, get him, Simon. And then Simon, Simon's like, did you hire a voice coach because you should take legal action? You sound like the Incredible Hulk's mama trying to sit up there. And I love it! But listen, is Dan called to sing? No. He can sing if he'd like. Is that not his calling? There's this book, and it's called The 25 Lies We Tell Our Kids. And it's good, I just recommend it. But one of the lies is, one of the lies is, you can tell me anything. I promise you don't get in trouble. But <laughs> the other one, the other one was, uh, you can be anything you want to be. No, you can't. If that was the case, I'd be mad at Pastor of Momentum Christian Church, former NBA basketball player who now trades futures and derivatives on the side. You can be you, know this, you can be anything God made you to be. You look at what God's given you to show you what God, where God is guiding you. Number two, watch the community that confirms your calling. You know, we don't see this in these chapters. But David's calling and direction is affirmed by so many other voices around him. Here's a list I made. We see Samuel, we see Jesse, we see Saul's attendant, a group of Israelites, Saul's messenger, and King Saul himself coming around David and affirming the calling. We see a community of people that are a part of his life that he is allowing to speak direction to. That's a big deal. Let me just take this opportunity to remind you, you need people in your life. When you are trying to discern God's calling, is it here, is it there, is it that, is this next step, is that the next step, am I supposed to go over to this place? I got three options and none of them look that great. You were not made to make that kind of decision by yourself. God gave you one of his greatest gifts to you and me, is us. He gave you guys me and me to you. So we don't have to make decisions alone. When you decide on your own, you are carrying the weight, the emotion, the consequences, the future, the ramifications all by yourself. What you need most in that moment 
Is somebody outside the way and all the ramifications when you don't have a level head about you to help you make level headed decisions? There's four people that mean, you know, I'm going fast because I can't wait for number three. Go to this next one, You need people who love Jesus, love his church, and because if, if you don't love the church, the people of God, you know, I just question if you've got a relationship on. You need people who love you. How do you know the people who really love you? They'll tell you what's best for you and you're going to fix and stuff. I'm just saying that in church, it should be normal. It should be normal for you to call the people in the community group and be like, hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? Hey, what am I missing? This seems like a great idea. Am I, am I going to run into something unexpected? That proverb that I just love says, 1522 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. I could change that verse and just make it that fails for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, he's going to succeed. And you can put your name in there too. When you are discerning steps and calling and decisions and what and where and how and when and where you're going to go and what you're going to make, you need to be in it with you. You need some people. All the watches come with the watch out. Watch out for other people's armor that doesn't fit you. Don't miss this moment. Because as we're talking, God's, God's moving, your life has moving, my life will go, we'll reveal what's coming next. It just needs to be said, there are people who may come into your life who try and put a destiny or a destination on you that doesn't fit you. And one of the wisest things you could do is refuse to put it on. Go to David, 1 Sam 17:38. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened a sword on the tunic and tried walking around, but he couldn't because he was not used to it. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them, so he took them off. Watch out for people putting armor on you that is not fitting for you. What does that look like? Watch out for parenting advice from your parents. And they've got everything to say about how you should raise kids and where you should go and what you should do, but they didn't know about all the therapy you had to go through to get some of that parenting out of you. And then there's the guilt trip and the insistence and the things, and they're going, no, don't do it. Why are you doing it that way? You're like, because I had it that way. I don't, I don't want that for them. The wisest thing you can do is just say, that's not my armor. All your friends are going to state, and you're like, oh yeah, state, next year we're going to state, I'm going to go to state, and all this stuff. And truth be told, your wildest dream is to be a plumber. And you're about to waste $50,000 of your parents' money going to state because everybody's going to state. Even though you don't want to go to state, that armor doesn't fit you. Watch out for people who come with armor. And they go, you're so good at this, you're so gifted at it. Everybody wishes they had this gift, and because of that gift, you know which dream you need. Come on, it's got to be med school, and it's got to be the next nine years of your life in education, because if I had that gift, I would have done it, and you should do it, because I didn't get the opportunity to do it. And you're like that, but you know if you did that, you would die on the inside, because that's not what you were made for. Can we keep going? 
Watch out for people who are telling you to invest with them. And they're like, are you going to get in? And oh my gosh, ever since we've been in, it's been real exciting. And it feels really good to be in. And everybody's in. And they've got this plan and this strategy. You're like, my goodness, it's already worked out for us like this. When are you getting in? But truth be told, you're looking at your home and your mortgage and the preschool payment. And you know the lane that God has called you to run in and your responsibilities. And truth be told, to be in is a way bigger risk for you than it is for them. And you'd be putting your whole family at stake to be in. That's not your armor. You know the weird thing about armor? It's not always imposed. Because we will compare the armor we are wearing with the armor that others wear around us and envy it. And then try and go get it with money we do not have and means that aren't really there. But because they have it and it looks good on them and they're wearing it and it looks good and they get attention for that armor, you've been trying to wiggle your way into some armor that doesn't fit. Maybe one of the wisest things you could do is just put it down and say, that's not my armor. I know my race. I know my God. They say it. Number three is this. Watch for a picture, a problem, and a passion that won't leave you alone. I think God's in this. And I think part of, part of my, my goal this morning is to demystify and to, and to show you just how attainable the movement and the way the will of God always works. A loving father does not shape destiny and hang it up on a hook that you cannot reach. A loving father does not give you a burning passion in your heart and no ways or means to get there. God is a God of calling and communication and destiny and direction. He is always community, communicating destiny, direction, vision, and, and things into our lives, but we miss it. It is as simple as problem and passion. Look for a problem you're passionate about. And I bet God's in that. If it hurt a little too bad when I was talking about how bad you how about how bad your little league team is, and you went home in 13, and all season you've been like, the coach is so disorganized, he didn't even show up to practice at one time. We went to the wrong field and he told all the kids that we won the game because the other kid went to the Well, guess what? God's probably opening your eyes to an opportunity to coach a little league team that needs a coach. You look around this church and you're like, I don't understand why they don't just fix this. It's that simple. Every single week we see this problem. Let me tell you what ministry you're supposed to serve in. Let me tell you something. If you search history, there's all kinds of questions about firefighters and what do firefighters make and how what's the need for firefighters in San Diego County and the firefighter salary and what do the firefighters know and how long does it take you to become a firefighter? Can I tell you something? You need to explore becoming a firefighter. Because that is a passion from the Lord. When you have passion and a problem that will leave you alone, God's in those things. That's why I'm here. I, I was in a church, and, and I was a small community, but it was just loaded with these mega, big old churches, like on every corner. And I served in one of those churches, and there's all these youth groups that are popping, and, and great music, and lights, and entertainment for kids, and cool events, and all this stuff. And there was literally, I Googled it this week just to see. One of them, we were one, and there's another one, nine miles away from us. There's another one down the road, and other communities, and churches, and all kinds of stuff in this tiny little area. And then somebody called me and they said, Matt, we're looking for a youth pastor out here. And she will listen. 
I Google searched and did some math and found about 50,000 middle school and high school kids in our area. And then I did some asking around and said, maybe, just maybe on a good week, there's three youth groups for these kids that are kind of okay. And then all of a sudden, I was in Hawaii. I have a problem. Who's going to go after these kids? Where's the light? Who's going to love them? And before long, all of the dreams and ideas and visions and passions I had to see and wanted to see happen in my community had transformed or they transitioned. My dreams and passions and desires and problems all moved out here before I had it. And, and they got used to it. My question is, what has been bothering you lately? What makes you mad? In the right way. What needs do you see in the world around you? What is that thing that just keeps bothering you? And part of you goes, I can do that. God's in those things. But watch out. Last one, watch out you don't miss it. Watch out you don't miss out. Because the first step, it's too small. Do you remember where David was this morning? Before Goliath? Before David and Goliath? Before this would be written in history? Before the moment that shaped all the other moments? You guys know me well enough, right? Can we do Bible study together? One of the best things you can do in Bible study is study the moment before the moment. Because often the moment before the moment has more to teach us than the actual moment itself. Do you remember the moment before the moment with Goliath? 1 Samuel 17, 17. The three oldest brothers followed Saul to war. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep in Bethlehem. Now Jesse, that's dad, said to his son David, take an ephah to roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp on a wall. Oh yeah, take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. Then when Jesus 
back. God has a thing for blessing people who are faithful with little. Do not despise the days of small things is in the Bible. Because God knew all big things start small. All important things look unimportant at first. And the eyes of the Lord on the earth looking for his faithful ones to encourage. We watch. The number one way to that place is to quit what you master and go embrace what he has already put in your care. If you do that, you will not be able to shake yourself from the bright and beautiful future that God wants to walk you into. One step at a time. He gave you care to be faithful with those kids. He gave you an internship for us to be faithful with that internship. He gave you a place of obscurity so it could shake you for certainty. Be faithful in that place. He gave you a detour. Be faithful in that detour. He gave you a ministry to serve and be faithful in that ministry. He gave you an assignment in the military, be faithful in that assignment. He gave you a place to shine, be faithful and go and shine and watch what God does. The best way to get what God's guiding you begins with what it's already given. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you. And so just close your eyes right now. This is the last thing. And if you're comfortable, like, what we're going to sing as a community is, God, I'm accepting and I'm receiving what you have for me. That is a scary thing to pray and a scary thing to say to God. But if you want to say that in your soul, you can take your hands and just put your palms up in the air in your lap. Just saying, God, I'm taking this. I receive this. With your eyes closed, your hands out there, let me pray for you. God, we receive what you have. We look around at the people in our life, places you've put us, the unexpected turns. We receive. We receive the hurt. We receive the way you want to grow us and shape us. And God, as your people, we're saying, will you give us the strength to be faithful, even with the things that make us so And we claim to be filled by you. And we're all open hands in the room. I pray that you would fill them with grace, with understanding, with purpose. With power, who are faithful. We need you. So, Jesus, saying you pray. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great week. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. We'll see you back next week. Peace. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, and download the Momentum app from your app store. See you next week.